So if you're new with us, today we are in part two of our series called For Flagler. And in this series, we are actually revisiting a series we did a year ago. And a year ago, we did this series. We were talking about the big vision that God has for us as a church. And so we're coming back to, to revisit that again and to remind us what it means to be for Flagler and to invite more of us on the journey because it takes all of us working together to be for Flagler and fulfilling the vision that God has given us as a church. I said last week that this series is based on Romans chapter 8, verse 31. That's our theme verse for, for this series. And that says, since God is for us, who can ever be against us? That is one powerful verse with one big problem. The problem is many people don't believe it. Many people today don't believe that God exists, or if they think God does exist, they think, you know what, he's probably mad at me, he's disappointed in me, he's against me, but he's certainly not for me. And I think from God's perspective, that's a problem. We who are Christ followers, we have a responsibility to show people who don't share our faith how much God is for them. And the best way that we can do that is by us being for them. When we are for them, and they, they, beyond just knowing that we are for them or hearing that we are for them, they experience that we are for them. When they experience that, there is a chance that they might make the connection. You know what? If, if those Christ followers are for me, there's a better chance that God might be for me as well. Now, that thought creates another problem creates a problem for many Christ followers. And the problem is this. Too many Christians wonder, how can I be for someone if I'm not for how they're living? Like, how can I be for someone if I don't think they're, they're living in a way that honors God? And when we adopt that mentality, we often step away from the people Jesus came to die for. And God wants us to not do that. You think about how God interacted with us. God didn't step away from us. Jesus didn't step away from us when we weren't living the way that we should. He stepped towards us and he wants us to learn how to do that as well. Now, I think we all realize that it really is possible to be for someone and not for what they're doing or for how they're living. And again, we, we know that because of what I just said when it comes to God, what God has done for us because he does that all the time for us. He is for us, even though he may not necessarily be for what we're doing or how we're living. And Jesus modeled this so beautifully for us. The scripture tells us that uh, people who are nothing like Jesus love to be around Jesus. There was just something special about how he interacted with people that made them know, hey, this guy may not be for how I'm living, but this guy certainly is for me. Now, does anybody know who didn't like to be around Jesus in biblical days? Pharisees, so they're, they're religious leaders. So the, so the religious leaders, who else, Robert? Demons. Demons didn't like to be around Jesus, that's for sure. Uh, but people who were religious leaders, and I think this is so fascinating, didn't like to be around Jesus you would think they would have loved to be around Jesus. People who were nothing like Jesus loved to be around Jesus. 
And I think we should take some cues from Jesus on that. So here's some reflective questions for us related to this. If you are a Christ follower, do people who are nothing like Jesus, do they like to be around you? Like, think about that for a moment. Think about that at work. Think about that at school, maybe in your neighborhood. People who don't share your faith, people who are nothing like Jesus, do they like to be around you? If not, why? Why don't they like to be around you? Is it because you've withdrawn from them? Is it because you're not sure how to be for them and, uh, and not for how they're living? Is it because you've grown judgmental that they aren't living the way that you think they should be living? Do people who are not like Jesus, do they like to be around you? Here's a, another question. If people who aren't like Jesus like being around you, is it because you're acting like them or you're acting like Jesus? And Jesus never condoned anyone's lifestyle. He never did. But there was something about Jesus that made people know, again, this guy may not be for what I'm doing, but this guy certainly is for me. I think those are some great questions to ponder and maybe talk about over, over lunch today with somebody else and, and ask, like, how am I doing at being like Jesus around people who are nothing like Jesus? I think that can help us learn how to be for people the way that, that God is for all of us. And we're going to learn from somebody else today as well. We're going to learn from the Apostle Paul, who actually knew a lot about treating people the way that Jesus did. We're actually going to spend some time in Acts chapter 17 and see how he did that. And before we dive into that, I want to explain to some of you who may not know anything about Paul a little bit of his story. So a lot of people, if you grew up in faith, you probably understand Paul's story. But if you don't, uh, didn't grow up in faith around church, maybe you don't know his story. Well, Paul used to be called Saul. And as Saul, he was one of those religious leaders who hated Jesus. He didn't like Jesus. He didn't like his followers. He wanted to end that movement. Uh, he was excited, I'm sure, when Jesus was executed. We see in scripture that he actually followed that up and had other Christ followers put to death or imprisoned. He actually had orders to go around and arrest anyone who was a follower of Jesus. Again, he wanted to end that movement until he met Jesus. He was radically transformed in that encounter with Jesus. And then he went on to spread the message of God's love around the known world. And he felt called by God to go around and lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ and start churches. He went on three missionary journeys with his friends. And we're not sure how many churches he started, but he could have started at least 20 different churches in those mission journeys. And he has played a substantial role in spreading Christianity around the world. So in his second missionary journey, Paul ended up in the ancient city of Athens, Greece, and he was waiting there for some friends to come. And Acts chapter 17, verse 16 says, while Paul was waiting there for his friends, uh, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. So verse 17 says, he got on his Instagram account and he blasted those sinners. <laughs> so obviously, Paul didn't do that. But there are a lot of Christians that do that today. Our strategy for engaging people who aren't like Jesus seems to be, let's get really vocal on social media. 
Let's give them a piece of our righteous minds. Let's judge them in some way. Paul didn't do that. Verse 17 says, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. So Paul went out into the community to talk with the people who were nothing like Jesus. So here's another question for you. When was the last time you did something like that? When was the last time you personally spoke with someone who doesn't share your faith? And I don't mean you got into an angry argument with them and it got heated and you said, well, we're done talking about this. You're wrong, I'm right. I don't mean that. I mean, when was the last time you actually had a personal conversation that was respectful and you said, hey, help me understand your perspective on faith. Like how did faith uh, become a, uh, an issue for you or not your non-faith? How did that become uh, something that you've incorporated into your life? Like just a respectful conversation where you hear somebody's perspective and where you look for opportunities to share your perspective. Now, I feel like we have lost the art of doing that. We've lost the art of having respectful conversations with people. And you might push back and say, yeah, but it's a hostile world today. Like you can't bring up issues of faith or you'll get clobbered. It was a hostile world in Paul's day as well. So verse 18 tells us he also had a debate. So he engaged a debate. It wasn't an angry debate. It was a discussion about these views. He engaged a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with all these strange ideas he picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Verse seven, or 19 says, so they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some rather strange things and, and we wanna know what it's all about. Verse 21 gives us some clarity, and it says, it should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Sounds like America right now. We love to discuss the latest ideas, and it seems like we're getting farther and farther away from the ideals that founded our nation. I think we have to be careful with that. But verse 22 says, so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. So he has this amazing opportunity to stand before the leaders of that community. And I want you to listen to what he says and how he says it. He says, men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it to an unknown God. I'll pause there for just a moment. So the Athenians uh, worshiped all kinds of gods and they set up uh, statues and temples and altars for these gods and they didn't wanna leave any god out and be punished for that. So they uh, had an altar made to the unknown God, just in case, like, oops, sorry, you know, we didn't know about you, God. We don't wanna be punished for this, so we're gonna try to worship you as well. So Paul leverages that. He says, this God, whom you worship without knowing it, this God is the one I'm telling you about. So then Paul went on to explain to them, basically, uh, guys, I just want to tell you, there's really only one true God, the creator of heaven and earth. 
I want to tell you about him and what he's done for you. And the reality is that he wants a relationship with you because he is for you. So Paul didn't blast them for worshiping other gods. He went into their community. He listened and learned. He found common ground and he used that common ground to point them to Jesus. And that's the model I think we as Christ followers should adopt. It's the model that we're going to talk about today. I encourage you to keep reading Acts chapter 17 and see what else Paul said, how he said it, and what their response was to that. It's a fascinating read. And uh, for the rest of our time, though, we're going we're to talk about how we can apply his model at our church. So first, Paul went into their community as a listener and a learner. So he listened and he learned. Now, since the beginning of Epic over 11 years ago, we have been constant students of our community, of our Flagler County that we live in. And at the beginning of our journey, we knew that uh, there were some big needs in our community, but we weren't really sure what those needs were. So we were asking two big questions. So we were asking, uh, God, please show us what are the big needs of our community? And number two, show us how to meet those needs. Now, there was another question under that that drove those questions. And that deeper question was this. We wondered if we were to establish ourselves as a church and be in existence for like 20 years or so, and then for whatever reason, we ceased to exist, we were asking the question, would our community miss us? And we knew that if the answer was no in 20 years, that our community wouldn't miss us. Maybe the church, uh, maybe the people in our church that we are serving, maybe they would miss us. But if our community wouldn't miss us, then we were doing something wrong. That we were not engaging our community the way that God has called us to engage our community. And so again, that drove us. But we didn't know the answers to those questions. We didn't know what our community's big, biggest needs were, and we didn't know our part in how to meet those needs. And so what we did was, we started serving. We got active. We didn't think we needed to wait around until we found answers. We said, hey, let's start serving and we'll learn about our community as we are going along, as we are serving. So we began projects like 3G Sunday and 3G Saturday where we send hundreds of us out into the community to serve in projects all over the community. We started serving with local partners like Habitat for Humanity and Grace Community Food Pantry and the Family Life Center. We wanted to establish partnerships, relationships with people in our community who are serving on the front lines. And I wanna give you a quick update of what we have seen over the past 11 years and some of the cool things that God has allowed us to be a part of. So around Christmas time, we do something called our Epic Giving Tree. And uh, if you've been a part of our church family, you've seen that. We have out in our, our lobby, we'll have a tree out there, a Christmas tree. We'll have some tags on it that you can take. And each tag represents a need of someone uh, in our community that we are trying to serve around Christmas time. And since we've started that, we have been able to help over 346 families. And we've had, get this, 3,070 cards taken to serve people 
around Christmas time in a time when there is a greater need. We've, through that, we've supplied our Alpha Women's Center with clothes and diapers and wipes. We've honored our Flagler County Sheriff's Department with eight bagel breakfasts. We've supplied gifts to a local boy's foster home. And then around Christmas time, we've also partnered with uh, one of our rotary clubs in town with a project called Project Share that serves children and families in other communities in their time of need. We've had 322 volunteers involved in that, serving 1,385 children at Christmas time. We've engaged uh, an Old Testament practice called gleaning, where it involves uh, picking agriculture, picking produce, uh, uh, vegetables, and fruit, and getting that to people who are in need. And we've had 528 volunteers pick citrus and broccoli, uh, collecting over 13,000 pounds of food and distributing that through our local food pantry. We've done 17 food drives, donating over 16 tons of food locally. We've had 184 3G Sunday and 3G Saturday projects involving 3,157 volunteers. We started this past fall, we started some new groups that we're calling Four Flagler Groups. It's a group experience that meets once a month and then serves once a month, uh, some, someone in our community. We've had uh, 98 people involved in that and 17 different projects and some amazing stories of people being served out of that. And you'll hear one of those stories in this series. So if you're interested in getting involved in one of our four Flagler groups, I encourage you to go to our info meeting after both services on March the 28th. So right after the services, we'll have this info meeting. And if you're not connected with a group, we can help you get connected with a group and help you get connected in serving other people and being for them quickly. Now, I, I don't share all that stuff with you to pat ourselves on the back. I share that stuff with you because serving is about pointing people to Jesus. It's not, not about pointing people to us. Jesus actually said in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, speaking to his followers, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Now, we want people in our community to be served by us so that one day they can praise God for what he has done in their lives. Again, serving is not about us. It's not about bringing attention to who we are. It's about bringing attention to who God is and what he has done for us. So as we've served of these past 11 years, God has made it clear to us of some of our community's biggest needs and the part that we can play in that. That's what our Four Flagler series is all about. We're talking about the big initiatives that God has placed in our hearts. And so um, the one part of that is being for our community. We want to be for Flagler County. And so God has revealed to us that our community needs a care network and a counseling ministry. So I told you um, last week that there are a lot of great resources in our community, and yet uh, it's, it's often difficult for people who are in need to figure out what those resources are. So we felt like we could be the hub. 
We could be the starting point for people who are in need to, to come to, to find out what the resources are in our community. We would love it if someone in need would reach out to us so that we could pray with them, pray for them, love them, and help them take a next step towards whatever resource that they may need in their life. Sometimes those resources are provided by us because it's something that we do. Other times those resources are provided by other people in our community, other great organizations in our community, and we can help them get connected with those resources. So we started that last year. And guess what happened as we were laying the groundwork to get started on our care network? COVID happened. Yeah. And at first we thought, what in the world? Terrible timing. And then we realized perfect timing. There are a lot of great needs that arose during COVID. And we had a lot of opportunities to serve people. So we have served at least 80 families uh, with care needs, trying to get them connected with local resources that can help stabilize them in a time of great need. In addition to that, we felt like God was saying, you know what, one of the big things our community needs is a counseling ministry. And I announced last year, I announced last week that one of the surprising statistics about our county that has burdened our hearts is that Flagler County has had one of the highest suicide rates in all of the counties in the state of Florida for a number of years in a row. That is devastating. There are a lot of mental health needs, emotional needs, obviously spiritual needs. And so we felt like God was saying, you know what, you can do. You can start and expand a counseling ministry to serve those people in a time of great need for them. And our pastors uh, always have provided biblical counseling to people in our church family, sometimes people outside of our church family. But we're hoping to expand that to one day being able to serve Flagler County and beyond. And I see the day coming where we have a fully functioning counseling ministry that is run by biblically trained counselors that are on our staff and can help us reach into our community in more significant ways. And I'm just curious this morning, does anybody know anybody who just might benefit from some counseling? Anybody know that? You know what? There are moments I'm that person. There are moments I need that help. We all need that help. Our community desperately needs that help. And that's something we feel like God is, has placed on our hearts for us to do. So we are expanding that. We've got some great connections with some local Christian counselors that we refer to beyond maybe what we can do through our office currently. Uh, but again, uh, we're, we're asking God to help us expand that in more significant ways in the next phases of what it means for us to be for Flagler. Now, in addition to that, we wanted to be for the future. And uh, we knew for us, part of what that meant is us finding a permanent home. And uh, as we've been on this journey, we've been in rented facilities for 11 plus years. And uh, we have known, like, God wants us to have a place where we can drive a stake in the ground and, and broadcast this mes message loud and clear to our community. God is for you, and so are we. And uh, we have felt like we need a permanent home to do that in the significant ways that we want to do that. So we've been on a journey, you know, searching for a, a home for us. We're grateful for the partnership with this school. 
Uh, but we know we can't be here forever, and so we have looked at existing buildings that were for sale. We have looked at purchasing land. We have asked God, God, where is the most strategic place in our community where we can serve the most people in our community and beyond? And uh, if you have been a part of our church, you know that we have found that. If you are new with us, let me show you what that looks like and where that is. So here's a picture of the property that we purchased. If you know where the airport is, you're really close to the property. If you know where the hospital is, if you know where the high school is, down on State Road 100. If you know where Panera is, and some people know where Panera is, uh, right there on, uh, at the crossroads of State Road 100 and Seminole Woods Parkway, there's a new racetrack gas station right across the street from the Panera. If you go down Seminole Woods Parkway, just a quarter of a mile, there's 16 acres that we have been able to purchase through our Four Flagler initiative that we started last year. So we purchased that, we own that now. And super excited about that location. It's a great location at the crossroads of our community, the crossroads of Bunnell, Flagler Beach, North of Palm Coast, South Palm Coast. Communities outside of Flagler County can easily reach that piece of property. And uh, so we're super excited to have that as our future home. And we have put some signs on that property. So if you've not seen our property yet, I, I highly recommend you drive past just so you're familiar with where it's at. And you'll know you found it when you see these four Flagler signs. We have two of these uh, signs. Uh, they're big uh, four by eight foot signs that, that you can't miss when you're driving down Seminole Woods. And you need to know when you see these signs, they are part of Paul's model, of Paul's strategy to reach the Athenians for Christ. That's why we put four flagler signs on there. Sometimes people ask, well, why didn't you put signs that say the future home of Epic Church? The reason we did not do that is because I told you last week, we are, our strategy is to be a church for people who don't do church. And if you don't do church, what do you think when you see a future home of a, a church sign? What do you think? Oh, another church. It's like what we all feel. You're driving around the community. You see something going up and you're like, oh, what's that? That's exciting. And then you find out it's a bank. Like, oh, another bank. Like we need another bank in town. We all have that feeling. If you don't do church, you see a sign that says future home of another church, you're not excited. You see a sign like that and you might think, well, what's that mean? Like, that's interesting. And I've had people talk to me and say, hey, like, I see some signs like there. I saw your shirt. Like, what's the connection? Like, are you guys for Flagler Beach? Are you for Flagler County? Like, like what is all that all about? It creates some common ground. We found that our four Flagler strategy, which is found on our T-shirts, it's found on our signs on our property, it's, it's found in how we engage our community by trying to get this message out that God is for you, and so are we. We found that it creates common ground with people in our community. And we've had interactions with, with folks that don't share our faith that say like, hey, what's Fort Flagler all about? Like, like, I live in Flagler County. I wanna be for our community. I wanna partner with something that's for our community. Like, what does that mean? And out of that, we've found common ground. And we hope to leverage that common ground to lead people into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, just like what Paul did when he was engaging the Athenians and actually had the chance to lead many of them into a relationship with Jesus. So here's what I'm asking. If you call Epic or you call Flagler, Flagler County your home, I'm asking you to help us be for Flagler. 
So when you travel around our community, travel around as a listener, as a learner, and look to find common ground that you can leverage to point people towards Jesus. Now, if you don't live in Flagler County, you can still be for the county that you're in. If you don't live in the state of Florida, you can still be for the communities that you're around. If you don't live in the United States, you can still be for the community that you're in as a listener, as a learner, looking for common ground and how to leverage that common ground to point people towards Jesus. Now, here's another thing that I challenge you to do, and, and this is a little bit tougher. I challenge you to step into the ten tension of learning how to be for people who aren't like you. I think it really is possible for us to be for people who don't look like us, act like us, talk like us, vote like us, think like us. I think it really is possible. But we've got to do some different things. We've got to enter some uncomfortable spots. We've got to stretch ourselves. We've got to do what Jesus did. We've got to do what Paul did. We've got to learn how to manage this tension because God has sent us into the world to tell people that he's for them. And often they'll know that by how we are for them and by how we serve them. Now, this morning, I brought another video, a personal life story, like I did last week, but it's a, of another church member. And this is uh, Michelle's story and how she found common ground in an interesting way and how God used that common ground to radically change her life. So take a look at this story. My dad started attending Epic. He's been with Epic a lot longer than me, but um, you know, he shared his experiences with Epic and how much he loved it. And I decided I would like to go too. And I've been at Epic ever since. I went to my first mission trip. So my father, again, my influence, he, um, he went on his first mission trip in 2013 to Guatemala. And he, you know, he showed me all the pictures of the sweet children and the different things that he did and just shared how much of an impact that had on him. And that sparked me to want to go on my first trip. But at that time, I was not a Christian. I was kind of still exploring the faith. I've always loved kids, so the motivation for me to want to go on that trip, I would say specifically was because I wanted to make an impact on the children, and I saw, you know, how much an impact my father made, and I know that I could do the same. I came to know Christ in 2016. It was my third mission trip to Guatemala, and I had the most amazing leader. He really saw God moving through me in Guatemala and helped push me and motivate me to give my life to Christ. And that was when I decided, you know, I saw God doing these amazing things while I was there and I knew this is the God I want to serve. This is the God that I want to get to know and really give my life to. I 
think I definitely think I was able to find the common ground with non-Christians there because them simply seeing us, you know, going to their country and just wanting to help them, not necessarily, I mean, our goal and our mission definitely is to help them find Christ, but just them seeing that we care and that we love them, I think that really helped motivate them to want to go on the same journey that we have, you know, to see us happy and, you know, loving our team and working well with our team and then going to this country and helping these people as well. I think that was very eye-opening to them and helping them want to experience the same love that we have from God. So uh, one of the things I love about Michelle's story is that she started to find common ground with her dad. So her dad went on one of our international mission trips, and, and his heart was, was broken for the families in Guatemala that he was serving. He came home and shared that with her, and, and they shared that, that common ground, that common desire to, to serve. And so she went, and uh, an interesting thing happened for her. As she's serving in Guatemala, she recognizes that she is the one who needs Jesus. And she put her faith and trust in Jesus. And she has done a phenomenal job of serving in Guatemala. I think she's been on five of our mission trips. She's done an amazing job. She serves here at our church family. And I love her story because, again, it highlights the need for us to find common ground with people so that we can share Christ with them. And that's what we want to happen with all of our interactions. We want people to, to know that we are for them by how we serve them. And then hopefully they'll make the connection that God is for them as well. Now, as you leave today, someone in our lobby is going to offer you one of our four Flagler vision folders. Uh, it might be in one of our tote bags that we gave out last week. But if you didn't get one of these last week, grab one. And if you're familiar with our Four Flagler vision, just take this and remind yourself of what it means. There's some new information in here. If you are brand new to us, and we've got uh, some history of our church contained in this, as well as more details of the vision that we've been talking about, I encourage you to read that and find the part that you can play in helping us be for our community. Now, here is a bigger challenge for all of us, that's a little harder, a little bit more practical as we try to apply what we've learned from Paul today. So I want you to take just a second and think about somebody in your life that's really irritating, okay? Like it, it might only take a second for you to think about that, that person, but think about maybe someone uh, that's at work, maybe someone at school, maybe someone in your neighborhood, could be someone in your family, could be someone you're sitting next to right now. So my challenge for you is this week, find as many ways as possible to be for them, like really for them, not faking it, just really serve them the way that Paul served, the way that Jesus served and see what God will do through that. So maybe what that looks like is you bringing them their favorite cup of coffee. Maybe it involves inviting them to go to lunch Maybe, maybe it involves a deeper conversation where you just get to know them personally because maybe you have not wanted to know them because you don't like them, you're not for them, they irritate you. But remember, 
Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ came to die for us. So the moment all of us were shaking our little fists at God saying, leave me alone. I don't want to have anything to do with you. He said, listen, I love you and I'm for you. I'm coming to die for you in that moment. So we have to learn to be for people, not just for people who are for us in return. We have to learn to be for people who are kind of against us sometimes or that get under our skin. So the bigger challenge this week is to learn how to be for someone that you may not really like. Now I'm going to pray and then our worship team is going to close us out in a, a song uh, that talks about God's love for the world. And I want you to think, as we're singing this song, I want you to think about God's love for that person that's on your mind right now, that's irritating you and you're a little bit nervous about trying to be for them this week. And I want you to let this song influence you and your thoughts about them. So let's pray. Lord, you give us so many amazing examples in scripture of what it means to be for other people. And Lord, I'm grateful that you were for us. And being for us certainly did not mean that you were for our behavior or our life choices. And yet, Lord, we as your followers, we often wrestle with that. Like, we don't know how to be for people if, if they're not living by biblical values. And yet you've called us to learn how to be for people the way that you are for all of us. So Lord, I pray that, that you would um, kind of burn Paul's model into our minds, that we wouldn't sit back on social media and just blast people who, who don't live by your values, but Lord, that we would step into our community as listeners, as learners, that we would search to find common ground with people and we would leverage that common ground to point people towards you. God, I'm grateful for Romans 8.31. Since you are for us, who could ever stand against us? Lord, our world doesn't know that. Our world doesn't believe that. And our world does not always experience that from your followers. May we change that. Lord, may we change that in our own lives. May we change that in our communities, our neighborhoods. May we change that in Flagler County. Lord, may we change that in the communities around us and change that in the world. Lord, teach us how to do that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.